The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. Good to be together. Uh, if you are new with us today, I want to extend a warm welcome to you. Uh, if you are new also, I just want to let you know that you've joined us week two of a new sermon. Oh, hold on. We've got some friends back. Woo! from Spain. Great to see you guys, Pablo and Carolina. It's great to have you home with us. Did you have a good time? Very good. I love Spain. used to go to Spain every year when I lived in the UK, so beautiful. The food, paella. I'm not a fan of paella, but hey, it's a good place. I love their pizzas, though, huge pizzas. But anyway, we'll have our conversation later. <laughs> We've started the new series last week, and it's uh, anchored in Hebrews chapter 12, um, and we're going to turn to this passage again. But before I do, I just want to show you a very, very important photo, and it's going to be on the screen for you, and here it is. Uh. <laughs> this doesn't happen often, right? So I had to seize the opportunity. Actually, true story. The morning after the game, I was in the kitchen, and Annabelle, she was having her breakfast, and I said to her, hey, um, England beat Australia last night in the Cricket World Cup. And she looked at me, she put her spoon down, and she looked at me and said, How dare you? <laughs> she's still an Aussie, all right? I'm trying to convert her, but she's a true blue Aussie. But that's great, that's great news. That's why I've got a big smile on my face. And um, yeah, I'm planning to. No, it's fine, Joy, it's fine. I didn't, I didn't realize you were a Kiwi, but anyways. <laughs> So anyway, we're playing the Black Caps tonight. That's enough of cricket, about cricket. We're going to come to the Word of God. And so last week we commenced a new series in Hebrews chapter 12, and we've entitled the new series, Secure Faith in a Loving God. And if you were around last week, Hill got the series underway by addressing a very thorny but important topic, issue, and that is God and suffering. Well, this week, it's a follow-on, really, from last week. It's, it's part B, because the theme that we're going to address is connected to suffering. In fact, as you're going to see as we turn to this passage, our author really is attempting to pastor us through our hardships, through our pain, through our suffering. And, and since we all, at some stage in our life, need to wade into the waters of affliction and despair, what we have here is good pastoral guidance and assistance and counsel that is really intended to strengthen us and bolster our faith in Christ so that we actually have this secure faith in our loving God. And so Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to jump in at verse 3 and read down to verse 13. So here we go. Consider him, this is Christ, consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners. Why? Well, for sinners, to save sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The backstory is these believers, some of them, they were facing hardships, persecution, and a lot of them were starting to retreat. They were starting to move away from Christ because of the hardships, because of the persecution. They were losing heart. They had grown despondent. So our author, this good pastor, writes, In your struggle, verse 4, against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. 
Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For, for what? Children are not disciplined by their father. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Yep, we know what that means. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. And so last week we looked at God and suffering. This week we're looking at God and discipline, his discipline of us. Father, we come, Lord God, to your word. This tricky but helpful passage, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would enable me by your spirit to be clear, to be clear, to be clear. So that, Lord, your people actually understand what's going on here and are really encouraged in their hardship. Lord, this is your pastoral counsel to us. And I pray that we would receive it this morning in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, because of the topic, God and discipline, it's a bit of a heavy subject. And so I thought I'd kick off this sermon with something a bit more lighthearted that really kind of feeds in to the heart of this message. And so I've got a couple of photos here. Here's the first one. So here's my mate, Prince William. And this is shortly after the safe arrival of Prince Louis, spelt Louis, great name, by the way. And he's got three fingers up. This is a photo. Obviously, he's, he's jovial. He's interacting with the crowd saying, you know, I've had my third child and he's, he's all good and, and healthy. It's fantastic. But at the very same moment, okay, that this photo was taken, a different photo from a different angle, a different perspective was taken. <laughs> just, it captures the same moment just from a different angle. Now, if you only had this picture to go off, you would think something completely different. Hey, you wouldn't think, oh, he's being jovial, but uncivil and disrespectful. Look, look at his face. He kind of like have some of that, you know. It seems like he's angry about something. The point that I'm making here is that perspective is everything. Perspective. First photo, yeah, he's a good guy. Second photo, oh, William's not such a good guy. Perspective is everything. And this includes our perspective on our pain of our suffering, that the principle I just want to lay before us this morning that this passage really unpacks is our perspective affects the way we handle our suffering, all right, for better or for worse. Our perspective affects the way we handle or view our suffering. For example, you can have two Christians in the same household experiencing the same trial and yet the first Christian may thrive in their faith because they have a biblical perspective on their pain whereas the second Christian who doesn't have this biblical perspective that we're going to think about this morning may actually struggle on their faith and actually find themselves drifting from Christ. Why the difference? Because of perspective. And so this is why we need to be really grateful for this text 
because this author, being a good pastor, gives us a certain perspective on our pain. And what is the perspective? Well, it's found in summary form in verse 7. Listen to what we're told here. He says, endure hardship, suffering, trials, as. That word as is pivotal. It's a perspective term as what? Discipline. Trials as discipline, God is treating you as his children. So in essence, our author is saying to us, especially of those of us who are going through a particular hardship, some trial, we're suffering in some way. He's saying, hey, what you need is eyes, new eyes, eyes of faith that will enable you to penetrate through the thick fog of pain to actually see God who might be using this trial to do something in your life, may be wanting to do something through your life. This is the perspective. And so to, to, to help us gain this perspective, this faith-stabilizing, faith-producing perspective, he wants us to remember three pivotal things as we travel through our valleys of despair. Three things that we need to remember. Number one, God's word. We've got to remember God's word. Number two, we've got to remember God's care. And number three, God's purpose. God's word, his care, his purpose. All good? So each in turn, first up, God's word. That is his word of encouragement. Listen to what we're told here in verse 5. And, and just be aware of the, the backstory, the, the, the anxiety they were feeling and, and the pressure they were experiencing. He says, look, and have you completely forgotten something? This word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his, his, his son. You see, some of these believers had forgotten God's word of encouragement. And, and if we forget what it is, we'll see it in just a moment. But if we forget this word of reinforcement, reassurance, then we will be insecure in our insecure circumstances. God intends for us to be rock solid, for us to have a secure faith in, in him, even in the midst of our trials and our insecure circumstances. But for that to happen, we've got to actually remember his word of encouragement. And what is his word of encouragement? Well, let's continue to read. It says, and he quotes the wisdom book of the Bible, and this is good wise counsel that he's about to cite here from Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. He says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Discipline, underline discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you or disciplines you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he disciplines or chastens everyone he accepts as a son. And so this is the perspective he wants us to have. It's like you've got to remember this word of encouragement and it's this. That these trials, these hardships in your life, they're not random things. Ultimately, they're an extension of God's correction. His corrective discipline. Now, are you okay with that? Are you okay with God actually disciplining you? Or, or is this a struggle for you? It's like, ah, God, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, if I was God, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it that way. Well, guess what? You're not God. He is, and he's wise. And so are you okay with this perspective that these trials, that, by, the way, by the way, I just need to add this. I didn't say this in the first service, not in my notes, but I think I need to say this. Not every trial is directly from God. And, and I say that because just last week, you know, on, the, on the back of our prayer and fasting, I was undergoing some big stuff at home, just my own heart. And I was thinking, you know, is, it, is this your discipline, God? Like, you know, I was studying for this and with this in my mind. Is this discipline? 
your discipline, you bring in this trial. And as I started to think in hindsight, I was like, I don't think it is, in fact. I think this is the work of Satan just to bring hardship in my life and confusion in my mind. And so I prayed and that tension lifted. And so I knew, hold on, that wasn't from God. And so we've got to be nuanced here. All right? Not every single trial is, is God's discipline. But I would say a lot of the things that we face and go through are his discipline, his corrective discipline. And if we forget that, if we don't have this perspective, then we'll fall into one of two traps, one of two dangers. The first trap is this, being underwhelmed by the Lord's discipline. Or, or should I say, we become dismissive, or even we might despise the Lord. Listen to what we're told here. And again, in verse 5, the Proverbs say, do not make light, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. How do we do that? Well, when we have the attitude that basically goes, this trial is pointless, like there's, there's no purpose for my pain. It's a waste of space. How many of you had said that? I've said it. Yeah, this is, what's the point? This is pointless, God. And that, that's making light of the Lord's discipline. But secondly, the second danger that we can fall into, a second pit, and that is the opposite. We can be overwhelmed when trials come our way. He says, do not lose heart when he rebukes you. And so really this is when you just say to yourself, I just, I just feel like giving up. I mean, this cross that I'm carrying is just too heavy. This burden is too much. And you feel overwhelmed by it. And you know the result of both these traps, being underwhelmed and overwhelmed, is the same. Even though they're different traps you can fall into, the result is the same. The result is despondency. Spiritual despondency. Our author says in verse 12, these words, therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Why did he have to say that? Because they were experiencing despondency. They were weary. They felt like giving in, giving up. And he's saying, no, 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 no. You've got to have this perspective. Otherwise you will give in to despondency. And, and you know, despondency is, is something that can affect our Christian life so easily. So easily. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's so easy to fall into one of these two traps, right? And sometimes you can even fall into them simultaneously pretty much in the same day. You know, you can be underwhelmed. Like, what's the point of this? And then the next moment you can feel completely overwhelmed by it. And, and all the while there's this lack of faith in God. And the result is, as I've just mentioned, despondency. And so this is why we need to remember God's word of encouragement. Because these trials are not random. They're sent by him for, as we're going to see, our good. And we need to preach that to ourselves. We need to be like, in other words, King David in Psalm 42, not on the screen, but you would know the verse well. In verse 11 of, of, of Psalm 42, he was going through a dark valley. And he says, you know what? My soul is so depressed. I feel so discouraged. And then he looks upward to God. He's reminded of God's word of encouragement. He says, now there in heaven is my hope, and I will yet praise him. This is to be our response to our trials. Not looking in, because if we only look in, we won't find much encouragement there. We've got to look up to our Father in heaven, who knows best, who's wise, so that we don't lose focus, that we don't lose heart. Amen? Yeah? Okay, cool. Thanks. Second thing. Second thing we must remember when we're going through trials to have this perspective is that we've got to remember his care. 
Now, I've, I've kind of alluded to this already. I'm going to touch on this some more. I love what Proverbs 13, verse 24 says. Listen to what the wise man says. He says, whoever spares the rod hates their children. Hates their children. Now, when he talks about rod here, he's not, I think, talking about a literal kind of rod. Like, you know, you've got to bash your kids up. I, mean, I think it's just talking about um, appropriate loving discipline. And this is not a parenting seminar, but I guess I'll throw this in for free. I didn't say this in the first service. Hey, you're getting a lot of extras, hey, in this second service. But, you know, for me, with my girls, I can say this because my, my girls were roaming around in the first set of service. I didn't want to embarrass them. Um, but Kaylee, you may think that butter doesn't melt in her mouth. Oh, no, my frozen butter melts in her mouth. Seriously, okay? She needs a bit of loving Discipline. Whereas Annabelle, I don't even know why I'm saying this, but anyway, I'll go with it. Annabelle, on the other hand, she's so sensitive. I just got to give her the look. And she's like, ah, she just kind of falls into the heap. And, and that's all she needs. Madison, oh my gosh, I need a whole sermon on Maddie. I mean, seriously, she's my UFC fighter. She just fights everything. And so we won't talk about cricket again. But anyway, <laughs> my point is, Kids need discipline, appropriate, loving discipline. But notice what the Proverbs go, go on to say. I'm going back to my point here. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Now, God never calls us to do things that he himself doesn't do. This can be applied to him. We can apply this proverb to God. He is full of care. That's what it means to be careful. He's full of care for us, his children, which means he's careful to discipline us. He doesn't hate us. He loves us. This is why he disciplines us, because he's the perfect, wise, affectionate father. He knows what's best for us, even when we don't know what's best for ourselves. And this is the point that our text draws out again and again. Look at verse 6 again with me. It says, the Lord disciplines the one he what? Loves. Loves. If you want to be loved by God, then he's going to discipline you. He goes on. He chastens everyone who he accepts as a son. He says, God is treating you as the children. That's why we need to endure this discipline, this, uh, this hardship as discipline. Verse 8, you know, we're not illegitimate children. No, we, we want to be his true sons and daughters of God. And, and, and for that, well, then we need to be schooled and trained in the school of his corrective discipline. And so, again, this is an extension, expression of his burning love for us that he would discipline us. And, and I just need to add this. We must never, ever, ever interpret our suffering as God's judicial punishment. You know what I'm talking about? Like thinking, hold on, God is condemning me in this trial. I'm, I'm, I'm paying for my sin through this affliction. That's impossible. Why is that impossible? Because that goes against the very grain of the gospel. Because Jesus on the cross was afflicted for our sin. He experienced the punitive judgment of God, the judicial punishment of God fully on the cross for us. So that when we experience these trials, well, they are not God's anger being poured out upon us. They're an expression of his care. And we really need to take this to heart. We really need to preach this to ourselves because sometimes, I, I just want to add, depending from where you're from as well, various cultures, you know, sometimes they can have unhelpful perspectives on suffering. And, and you can interpret your pain as, well, God's just angry with me. He's pouring out his judgment on me. No, that's not true. He loves you. He cares about you. You're his child. You're in his family. And he's using this trial 
as corrective discipline. All right? We've got to preach this to ourselves. We need to remember it. So secondly, we need to remember God's care. So God's word, God's care, and our response to this ought to be what we find in verse 9. Listen to what we read here. He says, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. My dad rarely had to discipline me. I know it's hard to believe. But all he had to do was give me the look. Uh, He had this he had this look, and sometimes my dad listens to the podcast, so dad, thank you for the look. And it saved me a lot of problems. All right, yeah, so someone's saying, hey, mom has that look. Seriously, my dad had this look. I'm not even sure if I give my kids the same look, probably. All right, but he would protrude his jaw, and, just, and I think, man, I, if I overstep this boundary here, I am a goner. And so I respected him for the look. Notice what we go on to read here. He says, how much more then should we submit? Here's the response. Submit, surrender, offer, metaphorically speaking, our backs to his rod of discipline, his loving but firm hand of correction, the father of spirits, submit to the father of spirits, and, and what live. In other words, he's saying, look, whatever you do, don't walk away from God. Yeah, this might be a hard trial, but don't walk away from God. Walk into God. Walk into him. Submit to him. Surrender to him. Even when you can't figure it out, just trust the one who knows what this trial will amount to. What is it about? Just trust in him. This is not the natural default of the human heart, right? When trials come our way, we tend to, where's the exit? Like, oh, there's the exit. We just leg it. We're going to run for the hills. But God's like, no, 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 no. Don't walk away. Don't leave me. You, you come close to me. You surrender to me. Psalm 91, we're to hide ourselves under the shadow of his wings because there we will find strength. There we will find refuge. And this is the promise when we do life. You notice verse 9? He says, if you surrender and submit to the Father of Spirits, which means the Father of Spirits, he is the creator, the sovereign God who is our heavenly father, the all-wise, all-knowing, all-loving one. When we surrender to him, submit to him, the result is life. You know, let's submit and live. Live. I I could call on a number of you because I know some of you have been going through hardships now and in the past. And, and, you know, I'm just, again, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm just thinking of Yuvi and, and Sheila. You know, they, they went through some hard times where, when uh, Cheryl was, was, you know, in the womb. And, and what, what did, how did God use that? Well, he used that to draw them closer to himself. And they were confused, but they surrendered. They submitted to him, and they experienced his sustaining grace. Amen. And I know others of you can, can pretty much get up here and say exactly the same thing because you've chosen to do the godly thing. Surrender, submit. I don't get it, but I love you. I get you. And just help me. And you've experienced his sustaining grace and his life. This is the promise. And so if you are in the midst of turmoil, it doesn't matter what it is. Be big, small, just getting the better of you, weighing you down. Here's the admonition here. Trust, submit, so that you may experience his life. Yeah? So these two things we need to remember. We need to remember God's word of encouragement. We also need to remember his care. This discipline is not him hating us. It's him loving us. Why? Well, to mold us, to shape us. And here comes the third thing that we need to remember. God's purpose. His purpose. You see, as Christians, we must never, ever say this pain is pointless. 
I don't belittle your pain in the slightest, but your most painful pain can be used by God because he's the sovereign one and he is the heavenly father. You're in his hand and so nothing is wasted, including his people's pain. If they would only surrender to him, we would see a wonderful thing emerge. And what is that? Well, let's go to the text, verse 10. They disciplined us, talking again about our earthly dads, for a little while, that is when we were kids, as they thought best, they thought best, might not have been best, but they were doing their best, but God, I love this, but God, who's not limited understanding, he's got complete understanding and wisdom, and his methods and motives are always right, but God disciplines us for, for our good, for our good, oh great, so there is a purpose, for my pain in the midst of this trial. This corrective discipline is what? For my good. Now, maybe for some of you, this is not enough. You're like, okay, for my good, that's helpful. But can you flesh this out, this good? What does this good actually mean? Well, he tells us again, he's such a good pastor. He says, in order that you may share in his holiness. You may share in God's holiness. Now, at this stage, we should, as believers, say, yes. Amen. This is what I want. Like nothing else. I want to share in your holiness. Because I know at times I'm so unholy as Kate prayed earlier. You know, we can be unholy. Our desires and our passions, our longings can be unholy. We can be so selfish. And as Christians, that should cause us to grieve deep within. And so the thought of becoming more like him, sharing his holiness, should give us great encouragement. Yes, because I want to be like you, Father. I don't want to be like me anymore. I want to be more like you. I want to share in your holiness. And God says, that's fantastic. It's really good. Gold star for you. But my chosen method for you sharing in my holiness is the school of discipline. It's my corrective training, my corrective discipline. And sometimes that's when we start to back out. Like, I, I want to share in the holiness, but I'm not sure about the method. So, no, we've got to trust the method. We've got to trust him. Got to lean into him because, hey, we're going to share in his holiness. And you know what this is? You know what this really looks like? It really looks like him bringing to the surface ungodly desires, ungodly longings, so that they can be repented of and removed. Let me give you an illustration, and this is going to gross you out, all right? But I'm sorry about that. Sin is more gross. So here's the photo. This is... A photo of Nan and I, we've got a friend in Queensland, Belinda, her name is, and she's totally cool for me to show you the photos because she likes grossing people out. She put them on Facebook, so clearly. This is her hand, the top of her hand, and she had some surgery recently to remove cancerous cells from her hand. And she thought that the surgery was successful, but then after the surgery, there was still the itch. She was still scratching, she, she thought... I'm not sure if they've removed all the cancerous cells. And so someone told her about this cream that you can apply. Oh, strange cream. But the, she applied this cream, and I'm going to show you. Hold on, hold on. Before you show the next photo, because it just it make you want to vomit. But um, this cream, the idea of the cream is to pull together all the cancerous cells, and then it forms a tumor, and then that tumor goes to the surface of the skin, and then you can remove it. Here's the photo. Right, there's, there's, there's no Photoshop going on there, right? That's, that's her hand. So the surgery clearly was unsuccessful. Now, what's my point? 
My point is this here, and I've got to be really delicate and sensitive here, but trials, God's trials, his corrective discipline in trials, function like, thank you, in the first service, in the first service, the person just left it up there, and no one listened to me, all right? So, Lewis, what did you say? I think it was probably good, but I didn't even hear you. Where was I? Trials are like God's cream that he kind of rubs into the affected areas of selfishness and jealousy and envy and greed and all the other things that displease him. And that he wants to expose and remove from our lives. And that's the way it is. So we actually become more like him. It's just, just the way it works. Because when we trust in him, as we're told, you know, in verse 11, it will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, and we go through the refining fire. And these things are brought to the surface. Gosh, I didn't realize that was in me. You know, when things are hunky-dory, hey, you're like the greatest Christian in the world, right? But then when there's a bit of heat, there's some trials, ugh. You start realizing there's some ugly things in your heart. Ugly things. And so God loves you, loves me so much that he wants to remove the ugly things. Those things that are ungodly. Those things that are unholy. Because, hey, he wants us to share in his holiness, which is, listen, I'll conclude with this, which is our happiness. You see, he's working for our happiness. Uh, Sometimes there's the false dichotomy, which says, oh, no, God's more interested in your holiness. He's not really interested in your happiness. I would say, well, if you're talking about a free, easy, comfortable life, then then yes, he's he's not really interested in that happiness. That's why I hate the prosperity gospel. But if you're talking about happiness being true, deep joy and satisfaction, I said, no, no, he's, he's working for that in your life. That's what he's working on. But the only way for us to experience this happiness is when we're holy. Holiness is happiness. Because, hey, God is the most happiest being. He's the happy God. And heaven is going to be glorious. Why? Because it's going to be a realm of complete holiness. That's why we're going to have complete happiness. And so sharing in his holiness is God working for our eternal happiness where we find our true life and satisfaction in him. And we realize, in fact, I don't really need this or that. He refines us. He chisels us so that we become more like Christ. And in that is our true delight and joy. And so, last thing, church, verse 12. Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. In other words, don't give in. Don't give up. This despondency, just feel like giving in. Like my little girls, you know, sometimes when I go into the lounge room, they've made a right mess of it. And I say, girls... You've got to tidy up, right? Uh, issue some fatherly discipline. You've got, to, you've got to tidy up. And, and what tends to happen is immediate despondency. It's like I inject them with despondency. It's like, oh, I don't want to do it. It's so unfair. Maddie, my four-year-old, said, I'm so tired. I can't do it. I'm so tired. I said, what do you mean you're so tired? Look at the mess you just created, all right? Our author is saying, come on, let's not be despondent. It's not saying it's so unfair, I'm so tired, I can't go through. No, 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 let's strengthen our resolve. Trust in our Father who knows best. Even when we can't figure it all out, we can trust him because he's the trustworthy one. Amen? How about we stand, church?
Father, we love your word. We're so grateful for your word. Because your, your word has a promise for every situation. And Lord God, when we go through trying situations, your word comes alongside us to encourage us. Lord, we're so grateful for your word. And so would you find us often in your word? Lord, we realize we'll never be encouraged by your word of reinsurance if we're not in the word. And so, Lord God, enable us as a people to be in the word daily. Where we just sit at your feet, reflecting on it, Lord God, to be encouraged and strengthened and inspired again and again and again and again, especially, Lord God, when we go through dark, deep, depressing valleys of despair. Lord, I pray your blessing upon your people, Lord. Thank you for each one. I just pray that you would really encourage them, Lord, this word, although it hasn't overturned every stone on the subject, would still strengthen them be used by you to fortify them against their fears and their doubts and their unbelief, Lord God. And the result of this message, Lord, and this service would be us submitting to you and hiding under the shadow of your wings no matter what we're going through, Lord God. Lord, I pray, enable us by your spirit to do just that, Lord God, because we don't want to leave the God we know and love. Lord, we don't want to leave you. Where else can we go, said Peter? For you have the words of eternal life, Lord. I pray, would you find us surrendered and submitted to you because we know, Lord God, that this is best for us. Lord, I pray that we would have such a desire to share in your wholeness, Lord, which is what will make us ultimately satisfied and happy, being more like you, the holy, happy God. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church Podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.